0: You're listening to Street Life, a podcast about street photography with John ST and Mark Davidson.
1: You're listening to Street Life, I'm Mark Davidson, a street photographer from Melbourne, Australia and with me, as he always is, the Michael Flatley of street photography, Mr John ST from Sydney. How are you doing?
0: Michael Flatley. I haven't heard that name in such a long time. He was great, wasn't he? Those he can get those ladies can Yeah, legs if you like that Poncy Irish dancing. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's not Poncy. I think. Man, he did that it. was the biggest load. That that was the biggest load of twaddle I've ever seen. I think he did all right with the ladies, Michael. Uh, he probably did. He probably did a lot better than you and I. But that wouldn't be difficult, would it? <laughs> well, we're both happily
1: married, John. So you know. we
0: are. We are both very happily married, Mark. You're absolutely right. How you um, been? Yeah, I've been great. I hear great man. Just,
1: speaking of marriage, you've just uh, had a new baby this week.
0: Yes, I did. I've added another one to the family. What's the its Fuji name?
1: X-T5. Oh, lovely little X-T5. Yeah. Welcome to the world.
0: Yeah, thanks. And I didn't really need it, but my X-T3 was starting to get a bit glitchy. So I thought, hmm. A bit glitchy. I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, it was. the The shutter was getting a bit stiff and uh wasn't firing off all the time and I um, just
1: had to buy a new camera so what's that six now
0: <laughs> i think it is yeah i did look i did look at getting another xt3 second hand but i thought oh, it's 1200 bucks and then you know, xt5 is only two and a half grand for a body so i thought ah. Oh. I'll just eat baked beans for the next 10 years and uh, buy another X-T5.
1: I don't follow the range as closely as you do. do they, they don't make the X-Pro3 anymore, do they? Is that discontinued? No, I discontinued. Love that I love that. X-E4 discontinued. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the X- X-T5. Any good?
0: Well, I don't know. I'm having a few issues with it at the minute with the autofocus. What? Yeah. Everyone thinks, John, you're just such a Fuji fanboy. But I'm not really. They just make great gear, right? but I bought this X-T5 and I've taken it out once and it keeps missing focus. Oh, so if it continues on, does, does it'll it? be got... Yes, it's not me, Mark. <laughs> okay. It's not me. All right. I The autofocus is supposed to be steady art, yeah? Yep. I basically shoot it F8 to F11 to F16, right? Mm-hmm. You can basically point it and just fire the button and something will get focus. And I've been pointing it like I always have, like my X-T3. Mm-hmm looks great in the back of the camera and you go that's a good and then you open up blurry as shit and i went this is bollocks so the other day i was out was a nice pair of shoes some lady was wearing them she was on her phone so she was preoccupied i thought i'll get a shot bosh right took the shot looked at it blurred It was only a meter and a half away took the shot again held the camera dead back button focus little screen went little square went green bosh got it this time Still out of focus. What did the woman think? She was on a phone, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the point, right? Yeah. right? can you, We're on the street, yeah? You've got to get these shots like bang. Otherwise, you just get smacked in the head by someone, yeah.
1: don't you? Exactly. Fleeting moment. You've got to get the yeah.
0: shot and run. No, you don't. You don't run. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just blend into the crowd yeah, like yeah. the Matrix, you know?
1: <laughs> so it doesn't so work. You, do. you have to take it back to emergency.
0: Y- no, if it doesn't work, it's going back. Oh, not no. and I'll look for a second hand XT3 that I was perfectly happy with, but my, my XT3's got five, 500,000 shots on it, so 500,000 shots, yeah, gee whiz, bit long and So, you know, well, I'm not sure worth if... paying the $800 to get it serviced and come back and then potentially break for another 800 bucks. Wow, Do you know what I mean? So, yeah,
1: I'll get a second hand X Pro 3. I'm sorry to hear it. it's sick, I'm sure to get better.
0: We'll see, we'll see, you know what I mean. We'll see what happens.
1: Either that, or you have to buy
0: like. But a, it looks, it's not. We're not buying no. like this episode. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we might do. <laughs> I went to another exhibition. Oh, you did not. <laughs> yeah, but the food was pfft, Mr. mark again. I think, I think I'm a bit of an albatross at the minute. Dodgy XT5 autofocus, crappy like a food, and I've naffed me back
1: as well. You've done your back. Yeah, yeah. All that Irish dancing. <laughs>
0: it's all that jigging, yeah
1: Well, I can see our guest is, is uh, having a bit of a jiggle and a chuckle too So we better introduce him, he's waited on the log long enough Do the honours, John
0: <laughs> Yes, we we do have somebody, don't we, Mark? Yes, another fabulous another, guest today Another fabulous guest Today we have Jeffrey Carp, a street photographer based in Minneapolis, Minnesota Jeff Street has a fine art look to it With a focus on minimalist composition, straight lines and heavy mysterious shadows in 2020, he co-founded the photography collective Stolen Echoes and has previously worked as a curator for the Street Finder Instagram Hub. In 2022, he started and released a monthly email newsletter entitled A 20% Creative. Jeff's photography has been featured by Apple, Adobe Lightroom, Fuji Love, and has been published in a number of publications such as F8 and Fish Eye Magazine. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Jeff to the Street Life Podcast.
2: Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you both for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Jeff, thank you
1: so much for your time. We really appreciate you having a chat to us today. So you began taking photos around 2016 and you've accomplished a lot in that short amount of time. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into photography.
2: Yeah, you know, I've always, I've always taken photos uh, just kind of informally. Um, when I had kids, we took a lot of photos around the house, but... Uh, I really wasn't serious about it till 2016. Um, we were on a family vacation and, uh, one of my kids suggested that I set up an Instagram account. And, uh, so I did, and I didn't really know much about it. And you get to that first screen where it says, do you want to have a public account or a private account? And I was like, yeah, I'll do a public account. So I set up a public account and just started posting photos and really, really bad photos on Instagram. And, uh, you know, went for about six months posting every day. Uh, as someone living in Minnesota, you know, we we, uh, we have a lot of weather. You know, we have uh, it's cold most of the year or, or, or many months of the year, uh, but we do have more than 10,000 lakes. So I just posted tons of nature photos, a lot of really bad nature photos. And uh, I was kind of confused as to where I was heading with photography. And then I got involved in one of those uh, those hubs where they do daily challenges And uh, I was uh, posting every day to those, trying to kind of address the challenges, uh, became an editor for one of those hubs. And then as I was kind of serving in that editor or curator role, I really started to see things that kind of caught my eye. A lot of uh, dark negative space, a lot of minimalism, um, a lot of the stuff that you kind of see in my work today. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. And so I went out on the streets to try to kind of duplicate that so i went from the guy who was taking nature photos and trying to keep people out of the photos you know waiting for them to pass by before i took the photo to uh you know now trying to include people in the photos for scale or to include that uh, human element and um and then it just kind of all kind of spiraled from there instagram is a great place to connect with people and you find the right hashtags and all of a sudden you go from some guy in minnesota who's taking nature photos to somebody who's now connected to an international community of street photographers. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. And uh, just been really active over the last many years uh, in the street photography community. Although I don't know if I'm really a street photographer or just somebody who just likes to chase light and shadows, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into that as we talk further. So, but yeah, that's been my journey. And, um, you know, once you start and, you know, you, you kind of post, post a lot and interact with a lot of people, you just feel that urge to want to post more photos and take more photos. And so, I went uh, went from kind of a everyday hobby to being an obsession over time that, uh, you know, for several years there was, you know, I planned my weeks around this. I planned my my vacations around photography and a variety of other things. So um, it's slowed down a bit with the pandemic, but you can imagine that I've been, uh, you know, pretty well connected to to, to our community for, for a long time. And uh, it's been fun to get to know a lot of people from all over the place, including both of you. Yeah. So, <laughs> glad to be here and chatting about it. So so we've spoken and
0: you just mentioned, Jeff, that you uh you live in Minneapolis. It's probably a city that many of our listeners have uh, have heard of, but we probably don't know much about the place. A bit like Adelaide in Australia, really. People have heard of it but don't know much about it. What's the city you like to photograph? And um what are some of the challenges you have faced photographing around? Is it a small or a large city or
2: yeah, it's a kind of an interesting place because, uh, you know, Minnesota, we have the twin cities. So uh, it's Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so there's there's two kind of, I guess they'd be average size U.S. cities kind of pretty close by, you know, not very, I mean, really drivable between the two cities. And so when you put those two cities together, it gets to be a, a relatively large metropolitan area. Um, you know, what I've found is I've I've done most of my photography in Minneapolis. I really actually haven't been to St. Paul very often. Um, so I still have a whole nother city to explore, which is kind of fun. Um, but for Minneapolis and especially the downtown area, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of concrete, um, you know, because the weather here is so cold, uh, for many months of the year, um, a lot of our architecture and a lot of the kind of the urban planning has been about, um, moving people out of the outdoors into kind of temperature controlled spaces like skyways that connect buildings over the streets and things like that. And so. Um, you know, so there's not as much kind of ground traffic, um, in Minneapolis as there is in a lot of other cities, um, which, um, for someone who, as a, if you're a street photographer who really likes, you know, kind of interacting with people and kind of getting into the midst of crowds, we don't have a lot of crowds a lot of times in the downtown area. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, as somebody who likes kind of the light and shadow geometry and things like that, having silhouettes and people kind of moving through spaces, uh, where light is kind of you know sneaking between buildings kind of casting shadows off of these skyways um it's been the perfect city for for my type of street photography um and uh and it's been a lot of fun to explore um especially up to the time of the pandemic like obviously the city got to be pretty quiet once the pandemic hit and things like that so um but yeah it's a it's a really interesting city in that regard i'm sure there's many other parts of the city that i haven't explored um because you know as i said it's probably there, there probably are those crowds we have the fairs and other things and um i just don't tend to kind of thrive in those environments so i tend to find these much more kind of uh you know kind of calmer minimalist uh, locations to 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 seek out scenes that i enjoy so mm. um, but yeah it's, it's actually i think it's an underrated city um we also get a lot of great light in the, in, in minnesota um, we have longer days um, especially in the summer and in the spring so you have like uh, you can be out shooting, you know, like, you know, until nine or 10 PM at night sometimes. So it's uh so we have uh a lot more sun than most other places, um, which has been great because I've been other places trying to kind of replicate some of the the shots I take in, in Minneapolis. And you know, you run into kind of the know 50 60 70 percent clouds and things like that and then you're kind of waiting for sun and and you know i'm I'm, i guess i'm relatively impatient so i tend to kind of wait for my scenes but at the same point i like to you know kind of hopefully be really efficient with the time i have because i don't usually have a whole lot of time when i go out to take photos Hmm. so
1: well it's it's really interesting you say that because you know you, you touched on that you have cold harsh winters but looking at your work it's it's there's a lot of light you know there's a lot of contrast i'm sure the summers are you know Probably not as long as you'd like them. But what do you do in the winter? Do you go into hibernation or how do you take photos then?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, in the winter, I I wrote down because I I figured I would think, okay, what's Fahrenheit to Celsius? So a lot of our winter, we're somewhere in the like minus 20 to minus 26 Celsius area. Oh boy. So it's pretty cold. So you're not not out very much. And if you are, you tend to be bundled up with many layers of clothes. And so most of your, you know, the, the human elements in your photos just tend to be this kind of kind of mush of clothes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's really not a lot of structure or definition to the, to a silhouette or to any type of person in those environments. And so um, I do go a bit into hibernation, you know, for, for many years there, I would, you know, kind of comb back through the archive of photos that I take in other times of the year. Um, that was the time of the year on Instagram where I would, you know, kind of like, you know, play around with like snaps, you know, my phone and try to create like composites of images and kind of like extracting a silhouette from one photo and putting it into others Um, all the photography I do on the streets is all candid, but when I'm, you know, in hibernation mode, it's like, okay, let's create some visual art with some of the things we've already had. Um, or as I said, it could be going back to the archive and maybe re, you know, looking at post-processing differently, maybe posting black and white versus other things. And, um, and then, you know, even exploring, like just making things on the computer. So I try to be creative all the time. It's, it's, it's something I need to do just to kind of be a, a stress, you know, stress management and things like that. So um, but yeah, it can be, uh, it's pretty harsh in the winter and, um, you know, but that, that being said, a lot of folks in Minnesota do like to be out in the winter. Um, we do have people that, that ride their bicycles to work when it's that cold. Um, oh, wow. the, the, lakes are all frozen over. And so what I've been kind of exploring the last couple of years has been getting outside when, when the, the ground is covered with snow or ice, and then you kind of have these very minimalist white kind of snowy scenes, which has been fun to do as well. Um, because all the lakes are frozen, you can just kind of be walking on the lakes and catching people that are uh, you know meeting and gathering and doing things that you wouldn't obviously be able to do uh, in the summer months. So, um so yeah, it's just exploring all the weather conditions, but it's definitely harsh conditions at uh, certain times of the year.
0: So just talking about your camera in harsh weather conditions, what camera do you, what system do you use, Jeff? And also how does that system handle the harsh conditions?
2: Yeah, I've had so I, I I have all Fuji cameras and, and then I have an iPhone for my smartphone. So I use a you know X one hundred F is kind of my everyday camera in my bag. Right. Um, in the you know when obviously if it's like really harsh like we're getting snow or rain or things like that, I'm trying not bringing that camera because it's not weather sealed. Mm. Um, I have an XT three as well. Um, and I don't really do very much. I've had a couple times when it's been that cold where it literally just shuts off and it won't turn back on mm. until it warms up. I have to sit in the, in, in the car for a little bit and then it's like, okay, it's working again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's usually a sign that I should probably go in cause I can't feel my fingers or my toes either. And, uh, but you don't recognize that once they're numb. So it's a, it's a kind of an early warning sign for frostbite, I guess would be my camera shuts off. So, um, so yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I don't really have any, I'm I'm really not probably the best camera owner. I just kind of, as long as I have a battery in it and it turns on, I'm pretty much happy. Um, I don't really, I, I mean, I've kind of learned a lot about photography just by kind of playing around with things on the dials or maybe watching YouTube or, or things I've seen on Instagram. So I'm not uh, you know, professionally trained. I haven't done any schooling for it. So um, there's probably things I'm supposed to do to my camera to weather seal it better or to do things, but, I really don't have the slightest idea and so far everything's been okay. So hopefully I'm doing things, uh, doing things correctly, even though I don't actually know if it's correct or not. So, um, the other kind of hazard has been, there's been a few times, um, I have one of my lenses is a, I have a 56, which is a little bit longer. And, uh, I've I've fallen on the ice a few times. And so there's a few kind of dings and kind of, you know, uh, marks on the lens itself, not on the glass, but on the, on the actual housing of the lens because, uh, Sometimes you just can't stay standing on the ice. So, um, you know, just kind of You just with, added a
0: bit of character to it, Jeff, is what we're just, saying.
2: Exactly. It was kind of a non intentional camera movement, basically. So, <laughs> um, but it's still working fine. And it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, hanging in there throughout all these conditions for many years now. So,
0: so I'm just going to ask a controversial question here, Jeff. Um, get ready. You're in the field of dentistry, aren't you? And we all know that Leica have, specifically marketed it towards dentists. <laughs> um and um why have you chosen Fuji and not got on the like a bandwagon, Jeff? Come on. Are you worried that you're gonna slip on the ice and crack that twelve thousand dollar lens or <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I, I I'm not a traditional dentist, so I teach, and so I uh, okay. so maybe that's part of it. Um, <laughs> maybe I missed maybe I missed that seminar or that lecture in <laughs> dental school when they talked about cameras to purchase as a dentist. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't. Uh, once again, I, I I think for me the Fuji was uh, all the Fuji cameras was just like probably right place, right time on Instagram mm-hmm. because yeah. at that time you know you kind of joined the platform when I first started. Uh, you know, uh, on in street photography. Uh, you know, cause I, as I mentioned, I was kind of doing some, I was trying to do landscape photography. So mm. the first actual like true camera I bought was a, a Nikon D810 and that was a really large camera. Mm. And so walking around the streets with this very large camera, that didn't seem to work. And so at that time I, I, I was following many, many people using Fuji. I'm like, well, that must just be the camera I'm supposed to use. And so that's what I did. And, and then as you, yeah. you know, you kind of get to use it and you realize how much it's just fun to use and it's continued to be fun to use. I just, I, I don't see myself switching, um, no matter being a dentist or not, um, I feel really happy with my Fuji cameras. So
0: It's just oh. a bit of an in- in-house joke because uh, generally only dentists can afford to buy them. Or oh, that used to be the case, not so much anymore, I don't think. Because everyone seems to have a of these days, don't they, Mark? Well, mine's secondhand <laughs> from the 80s, so it's... <laughs> It yeah. still costs more than all my food you put together. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh,
1: Jeff, you just mentioned you are a dental educator and um which is not traditionally a creative field. So tell us about I assume that you're a self-taught photographer. So how did that process happen for you and which photographers did you look up to when you were getting into street photography?
2: Yeah, so I think you know, my all my journey has kind of been through the lens of Instagram and then kind of what you encounter when you when you get there. So yeah, I'm completely uh, taught through Instagram, YouTube, um, and perhaps whatever books I might've found along the way. But um, I definitely didn't start out by like understanding who who were the kind of the masters or the kind of the, the those that we look up to. I just was really, you know, who am I seeing their work? What's kind of just kind of grabbing me at the, usually at the visual level, like, wow, this is really interesting. I I want to try to create something similar to this. And so, um, so yeah, I found a lot of good folks on Instagram that I was just really inspired by. Um, when I look back, I wrote down a couple of names just to kind of remember. Um, you know, I, I was seeing a lot um, back in those days. Uh, I wrote down Brandon Wong, uh, Mr. Brandon Wong. So he's in the UK. Um, I just remember seeing his work for the first time. And I was like, wow, like, look at the light, the color geometry. I'm like, like, it just, I do just made sense to me. Um, Polly B, who we all know now, and yeah. who's done a lot of the walkie-talkie series. Um, I learned of his work and started following him when he was living in Chicago when he was shooting all light and shadow work in uh, in black and white in the city there. And um, I love going to Chicago; it's been it's been a great place for for some of the the photography I've done over the years. And so um, I really enjoyed his work. Uh, Valerie Six, Mark Fernley, mm-hmm. um, and then later on, I found some some videos on YouTube. Uh, Ryan Takai, who's in Toronto, uh, he goes by Fraction. He actually hasn't been active on Instagram for a long time, but. Um, he had some really great videos that I just kind of stumbled upon that I've watched over and over and again over the years to just, and mm. kind if of, he breaks down kind of how he thinks about composition, and things like that. And so there was just, you know, you just kind of find people. And then certainly as you go deeper, then you kind of learn of, uh, you know, a uh, spicy meatball and you learn of six street under and you just keep going and going and going Josh Jack mm. and, and all the others. And and, and certainly you guys. And, and, and so, um, you know, just a huge community. I mean, I, when I started on Instagram, um, I kind of think back to like the community at that time, Um, you know, the 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 SPI community was something like a hundred and thousand followers at the time and Mm -hmm. and now it's like I don't know, one point seven or two million or something like that. So this whole community just kind of just grew right at the time I joined joined Instagram and got involved. And so it was kind of right place, right time to just see so much work and and then be really active for you know for four or five straight years every day. So um so yeah, I learned a lot through that process and uh you know, and then you uh, know, just getting a lot of good feedback as well. You know, both uh, publicly in comments and also DMs of things along the way. So it's a really supportive community that we have, and uh, it's a really fun part to 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 you know share your work. I actually know more people. I feel like I know more people internationally at this point than I do in Minneapolis <laughs> or, or the Twin Cities. Um, it's a small community for street photography, I think. And, um, yeah, so it's kind of been kind of a backwards progression for me of, like, learning about people internationally first and then kind of trying to make connections locally uh, later on. Mm. So,
0: So Jeff, we all sort of give ourselves the label, street photographers. But, you know, once you get into the genre a little bit, you start to find out that, you know, lots of people have very strong opinions about what's street and what's not. So is there a reason why you sort of shine? The traditional street is like, you know, get in your face, blam, blam. If you're not if you're not uh, within punching distance then it's not real street. You know, is there a reason why you've shied away with taking those you mentioned Paulie B who's, you know, probably takes the more traditional street type shots? Is there a reason why you've shied away from getting really close to people because you tend to keep your distance and often a lot of your images there's a human element in it but they're obscured in some way, you don't often see their faces, etc. Is there a reason why you have that's drawn to you more than them um, wham in your face, get assaulted type stuff.
2: Yeah, no, I think for me, I I uh I think both my personality is such that I I, I certainly wouldn't like to avoid conflict. I, I enjoy kind of being an observer of of, of the scene. I think I've I just also aesthetically i have really liked uh, you know, I think most of my work focuses around space, focuses on light and shadow, focuses on architecture and, and other things in in basically just light interacting with things around it. And, and hopefully that also includes a, a human element when it's able to be and uh, be involved. And um, so, yeah, for me, I, I don't, I, I've never even really tried to do the other type, which would be that kind of up close. It's just, it hasn't really been interesting to me. Um, I enjoy looking at it when others, and there's so many that do it well. Mm. Um, But for me, it's just really been, it just makes a lot more sense um, to, to just as to what I like and kind of the aesthetics of things. I'll also say that, you know, as somebody who has a family, it's been interesting to kind of get feedback from, from people in my family about kind of what street photography looks like to someone who's not in the Mm. community. And, uh, and I think that's probably shaped a bit of kind of how I approach things as well of like, you know this is what you look like when you're out on the street kind of stuff. And so, <laughs> um, so I, for me, I just, you know, I try to be, you know, I, I tend to be very, you know, open and just very like, you know, if I'm out on the streets, taking photos, like I'm not out there trying to hide what I'm doing, but I also am not really interested in kind of getting up in, into the mix. Um, you know, and for me, I think, as I said, I, I think my, my work tends to stay on more of just kind of a an aesthetic level and, um, you know, maybe someday it'll become more about narrative, but for now it's just kind of been something that uh, um, for me, it just kind of, it kind of works. It's something that I, that I I find to be interesting. And it's um, something that keeps me going out to, 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 to take photos the next time. So um, yeah, I, I don't know that I even call myself a street photographer for a period of time there because I was so kind of every day in the community. I felt like that's, that was a, 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 an identity or label to apply to myself, but at this point I just like to take photos of anything that mm. I feel like I want to photograph. And um, I think my, my Instagram is probably a really good example of that because most street photographers mm. aren't taking pictures of uh, still life eggs on their kitchen <laughs> counter or, you know, or architecture or other things that they happen to mm. see that just look interesting. So, um, so I, I, am I'm, I'm cool with just being a photographer or just somebody who likes to take photographs that, that works for me.
1: Yeah. Well, that was actually going to be my question to you, Jeff. Um, how do you feel about that label street photographer in, you know, not just with your own work, but in, in the main? And because I know you, you um, take a lot of architectural photos as well. So, you know, do you think that that's important now in 2023, that label street photographer? Or we're we all just sort of moving to the space where we're all just, you know, quote unquote photographers?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I mean, there's so many people that talk about this right online and mm. in other spaces. And, you know, I think, um, I don't know. I just always have felt like there's there's parts of what I understand for street photography that I that I hold important things like uh, you know the moment being kind of candid and undisturbed. I, that's always been a part of what I what I do. I don't I'm not looking to set things up or you know kind of you know in any way kind of craft the moment, but because uh, that's really where the joy comes. And you know beyond that, I just everyone who wants to kind of figure out where they fit within the larger community. I mean, if someone says I'm not a street photographer, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like I take photos. If they say, I mean, you know, nowadays we're dealing with like, is this a photo or not a photo? Like I'm just happy to, to know that I take out this box that captures light. And, uh and I think we still call that photography and that's, that's good enough for me. And um, you know, and if someone feels like they want to put more of a label on it, I mean, that's, that's okay. I, I tend to in in all aspects of my life to just not really kind of I, I tend to think very openly of like you know, like like even you mentioned earlier, like you're a dentist in this, I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> kind of, but maybe not. like I, I define myself by other things as well. and so um you know, sometimes you, there's things you do, but there's also things that you identify as. and so i I just enjoy making photos and if people want to call me a street photographer, fine. Um, back in the day, it just made sense to kind of say that because like, you know, every post would have hashtags for street photography Mm -hmm. and, you know, but I don't know if that's really the best like indication that you're a street photographer at this point. Um, and maybe it probably wasn't back then either, but at that time in in my journey, it just seemed like that made the most sense. And, um, and, uh, and now that I don't even apply hashtags to my photos, I don't know, maybe I, I don't have any identity now. I'm just a, a a no hashtag uh, photographer, which is totally fine with me.
0: I like that. No Thanks. hashtag photographer. <laughs> we can start that. No yeah. hashtag. Hashtag.
2: When t-shirts, we can get, we can get some yeah. hats, the whole thing, right? Sounds, sounds
0: good to me. Well, you've got two little stickers people.
2: on the Leica, the whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's an interesting thing you pointed out, Jeff. I think we all need to, when we first start, we're looking to connect with people and, and try to find a little bit of a, a group setting where we can, you know, find where we belong but then when we become more comfortable with what we do uh, or what we're doing and we have a better understanding of what we're doing because a lot of us just fall into it um becomes less important and um I you know I just took a photo uh, recently where it was just a window and light and blah 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 and I put it up and someone complained that it wasn't a street photograph so because it didn't have a human element in it but mm. you know do you think that street photography when we just spoke like you know you mentioned you didn't want to be labeled it as such. I call myself an urban slash street photographer now. What a a mark, probably the similar. Um, Do you think it has to have a human element? Like there has to be a person in your shots to be considered a street photo or
2: not? No, I I mean, I think that there's definitely the essence of humanity in photos that don't include humans Mm. directly in the photo. I think that there's, there's that sense of time and place that you you know that there's been a person here and then you know that there's going to be a person here again. And I think that that's always interesting. And um, I've been kind of working, kind of starting to work on like collecting some photos from my archive and some new photos of like just that, that, that idea. And um, it's been really interesting to look for that type of photo on the streets um, because um, you know, for me, everything's always been light and shadow. So now I'm trying to find like in all different kind of weather conditions and you know, just kind of looking for those 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 more narrative moments. But no, I don't think I don't think that the human element is really that 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 essential. Um, you know, now I do think like if I if I'm walking on the street and I look up and I see that there's a building above me and I take a photo, I don't know that I would call that street photography, even though I'm on the street. Um, but uh, but I also look at you know a lot of the photos that are that I share on Instagram. I I look at those as kind of being like repetitions to prepare myself for seeing things that happen on the street um and um and i also like to kind of think what would this look like if there was a human in the scene and even things like when i do still life and other things like what would this look like if this was in a market what would this look like if this was um you know i I caught some you know caught i noticed the scene in a restaurant or other things like what would this look like and so um i do i think i approach all of my photography with that kind of kind of background thinking of like what like applying a street kind of mentality to all the kind of the different types Mm -hmm. of photos that I take, even though sometimes they're definitely not a, 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 like a street photography, you know, photograph, they're just, uh, you know, a a capture of light and shadow and things like that. But, um, but, and that's how I, when I, when I, when I do go out on photo walks, um, a, a lot of, you know, over the years, like if I'm standing at an intersection and there's really nothing happening, I'm still taking photos. Like, I'm not just like, okay, I have to have a human in every shot. Like let's, 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 let's make the most of the the time we have with the camera and great light and shadows and other things. And so um, a lot of the stuff I've shared over the years has been, you know, a lot of times in the same scene where I've taken a photo with a human, there's been photos I've shared later without humans that, you know, it's just working the scene in different ways and, and just wanting to see what things look like photographed. I think that's uh, fascinating to me. I just, and, and sometimes it's with my, most of the times with my camera, but I, I, I love shooting with my iPhone as well. And, um and I've been known, <laughs> I've been, I walk around, uh, you know, uh, you know, where I work and, and campus and things like that. And I have my phone out most of the time, ready to hmm. take photos. Cause you just never know when you're going to see something. And most of my early learning around photography was was with my iPhone, you know, turning it to black and white or noir mode and just looking at scenes with light and, you know, kind of dialing in the exposure and the and the focus and uh and then taking those photos as well. And so I think there's there's always something to learn from taking photos, even if you're not necessarily in a, a moment that would be considered street photography. Well, Jeff,
1: you do take amazing photographs and I assume you also um teach people really well about how to take out wisdom teeth um but you also write really well um john mentioned in the introduction your substack um a 20% creative tell us how important writing is to your creative process and also subsequent question you detailed in one of your posts a pretty horrendous experience you did have on the street uh, a couple of years ago and and how that changed your approach to photography
2: yeah, so I think um, as part of my work, I, I certainly do need to write um, a fair amount. It's, it's part of my job as an educator. And so I think I've I've kind of built some of those those skills over the years. Um, I, I, I do struggle. I, when I set up my my newsletter, it was the, the intent was there to try to kind of push myself to write more often. Um, and for a while there, I was doing a pretty good job and I've kind of fallen off to like not being as, as productive as I'd like to be with writing, but, um, but I do like writing. I've, I've always kind of liked, um, you know, expressing myself also through poetry. So I just, I don't know, I just, I guess I'm creative in a variety of different ways. Um, but I do find that there's times when, when I'm trying to process something, you know, whether it's something, you know, um, you know. I don't know. Just my my interaction with the world around me. That writing is a good way to do that. Um, You know, I feel like I process most of my daily life through visuals, but then I I think through my writing, and so I think that's how it tends to come out. Um, And you mentioned this that the that's the event a few years ago, and uh, so this was kind of right in the middle of the pandemic. Actually, a few weeks after. Um, you know, as I'm in Minneapolis, uh, this is, you know, where George Floyd was murdered. And so, um, you know, a lot changed in the city, you know, kind of around that time, both between the pandemic and also that event as well. And so, um, yeah, so I was going into the city, this was, uh, you know, kind of in the summer months there, one of my first times back in the city after kind of all the lockdowns and, um, and I was, a uh, I was assaulted on the streets, uh, before I could actually get my camera in my bag out of my car someone was trying to steal my car and assaulted me in the process. And so mm-hmm. um, for me, that was, you know, I, I wasn't really prepared for that. And I kind of look back and I wish I kind of had been a little bit more street smart at the moment. Um, you, uh, you know, for me, it was just a kind of a eyes wide open experience of like, you know, I've been on the streets for all these years and taking photos. I'm out there in the past. It would be, I'd put in my, you know, I'd put in my, my, my earbuds or my headphones or whatever. I'd walk the streets, take photos, you know, and, um, you know, really kind of had that sense of safety that, uh, that day kind of definitely changed for me. Um, and it took a while, you know, for me to kind of move past that. I think at this point, I feel like I'm, I'm past it and I'm glad to see that our city is kind of back to a more uh, kind of a pre pandemic and, mm-hmm. um, kind of a busier kind of active place. Um, the city became very quiet and, um, and, and, uh, and for a period of time there, there was a lot of crime. And so it was, uh, something that I just kind of happened to be at the, the, the right place at the wrong time. And um, yeah, so I learned a lot through that. And, um, you know, and for me, the writing that I had was about processing what it's like when, you know, the things that become part of your identity, like your camera, like the things you take with you on your street photography, you know, your photo walks, when all that stuff is taken from you, like, how do you kind of bring that? How do you restore that identity? Or should you or should you change? And so that was kind of the kind of the, the thought around that writing. And Um, yeah. So it was, it was an interesting time. I'm kind of glad I moved past it, but at the same point it's um, you you learn from that and and I I definitely approach uh, the streets a bit differently now, um, you know, both in in Minneapolis or from in another city somewhere else taking photos just to be a bit more aware and uh, learn from some of the mistakes I might've had at that time, just by kind of being distracted at a time when I probably shouldn't have been. So, yeah, so I enjoy writing. I I need to write some more. And so um, I'm, I'm not keeping up my end of the bargain of calling myself a 20% <laughs> creative if I'm not writing enough, but, uh, but we're we'll seeing, well, hopefully uh, maybe sometime soon I'll, I'll break through and, and write some more, but, uh, but it's been fun. And with Stolen Echoes, we've done some writing over the years as well. So I've, I've enjoyed being able to kind of pair up some photos with some writing. So hopefully there'll be more of that in the future, but uh, for whatever reason, it's just much easier to focus on visual, you know, creativity um, for the most part when I'm, Tired after a day of work or other things. So, well, you can only but, uh, do. But maybe I'll write about day, this. I'll write it? about the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
0: that'll well, be gonna...
2: that'll be my. I'll unpack everything from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you can only do so much with your day. You know, you, you you mentioned when we were just chatting before the podcast. You've got three daughters, I believe, and a wife and a dog, and you know, you've got a career and you've got responsibilities, and you take photos and you know there's only so much time in the day you can do everything jeff and you might have the best intentions but something's got to give sometimes doesn't it
2: it does and i i i uh, for a long time it was like not sleeping enough and so i'm trying to sleep a bit more <laughs> and so at this point i think it's probably a, it's probably a worthwhile trade off of like sleep is more important than writing an extra like newsletter at this point but uh, but we'll see you know that i'm coming close to you know the hibernation period comes pretty soon <laughs> um, you know, we tend to start getting cold before you know, before the end of November, so I've got a few more months left where I can get outside, and then maybe I'll do some more writing in the winter months when uh, I can't get out with the camera very much.
0: That means if winter's coming for you, our summer's on its way, Jeff. So, uh, <laughs> that's true, bad for you, true. good for us. But, Jeff, just Absolutely. touching on your, your writing a bit more, when I was uh, doing a bit of research for, for the podcast, came across your blog uh, entitled uh, Resistance where you'd said you'd reached a plateau and a bit of a roadblock with your photography. Is that, you know, what were some of the challenges and fears that you came across to, to, to put you in that position, to be able to speak so openly and write about that and have you overcome them? And what did you do to, if you have overcome them, what have you done to move forward?
2: Yeah, I think, I think in that piece, it's kind of, I mean, there's been a few themes over the years, Uh, you know, one of the themes I would say is this idea that, um, you know, that I've, for many years, I mean, for probably my whole time on Instagram, I've kind of been this, you know, although I might take photos of different subjects, it's been a very similar style all the way through. And so you kind of get to this point of like, okay, it's just another one of those photos where, you know, he, he, he looks for like light and then shadow and maybe some color and a shape. And there you go. And so, I mean, there's that kind of like moving past that, I think is part of the resistance. And then that piece was really specific about this idea of, you know, we we as photographers and as you know creators and makers, we make all these things, and then, you know, what do we do with them after we make them? And then, you know, for some, we want to maybe we want to to sell what we make, or we want to have it be displayed somewhere besides social media or other things. And you know, and I've kind of just gone back and forth over the years about how to do that. And you know, and I think I'm I'm probably not the best person to like you know get out there and really sell what I do it's just kind of like if people find it or you know if people you know express interest like people have to like literally have to take the action in order for me to be like oh like you're actually interested in this and so uh, for me it's just that resistance of like you know kind of like the imposter syndrome of like well you take photos but like but that's just because it's on Instagram or it's this and that and so I think I think a lot of us go through that Uh, you know you have to kind of embody the role of being not just a maker and a creator but also someone who like, sees tremendous value in what you do, and you're you're willing to maybe go outside your comfort zone to tell people that you really value what you do. Um, Instagram, you know, and, and being someone who just kind of had this whole photography journey occur on Instagram, like, there is no, like, there's really no value, inherent value in Instagram, right? It's, it's a free platform where we share mm. our photos for free. And so, mm. how do you get to this point of value and you know? And so I think that's been something that's just for a long time for me, it's been like, I want to, I want to take it serious. I, I really, I, I would like to, you know, not, not to like trade out one job for another, or even have like a side hustle, but just to say like, I'm grading things. And that like, for me, it'd just be great for people to say, I have this photo hanging in my house, or I have this book on my coffee table. And, mm. you know, but I struggle to kind of get, get to that point. So that's kind of, for me, the, where the resistance has been of like, how to how to break through that and, um, and i don't know that i have i think I, I kind of probably kind of break through in some ways and then i take a few steps back and um i think that's probably part of the artist or the creative's journey of like mm. <laughs> you're always trying to figure out like how how to do this um but uh but yeah if you guys have advice i certainly welcome it, and from the, the listeners as well you know tell me how to do it because i i would love to just you know make with purpose and um you know and and the purpose for others as well not just i mean i get great satisfaction out of making um but i'd also love to be able to make with the purpose of being able to bring uh you know some type of tangible product or 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 something to somebody else that they would that they would like to look at every day in their house or you know on their uh you know place of work or whatever it might be so uh, well, it's not uh,
0: just you, Jeff. I think we all suffer. Everyone who's a photographer or creator in some form or another suffer from very similar things to what you are. So, unfortunately, we don't have any answers, do we, Mark? Uh, no, <laughs>
1: but it is a really interesting discussion, and it was sort of that was going to be my follow-up question, Jeff, because uh, I was going to borrow a question from Human uh Instagram. or oh, sorry, YouTube channel, and on it he was discussing about oh, was discussing legacy, and is that something you do think about? You sort of just touched on it then, is? Would you like your photographs to outlive you in some way?
2: I've never thought of that at all. I think, I mean, I think that's a, I, I think that, um, I think that's a great thing. And I know, you know, you've had some other guests on the podcast where I think that their photos will live on in legacy. I don't know that I see mine doing that at the current time which might be part of the resistance but uh um you know i I think i have a ton to learn i'm just kind of getting started even though i've been kind of at this for a few years um you know i think i think it just uh, in order for legacy to be there you just have to have something that has just such meaning in like across time and space Mm. And um, and I don't know that my photos do that at this point. Um, for me, they have meaning in time and space, and I hope that I, I I hope that the the sensory you know when we're on the streets we have all the senses are you know we're, we're we're sensing everything that's happening. And I still remember so many of those moments. And for me, there's legacy. But I mean, maybe that's all that's important. But um, but to to have it be legacy for others, I don't think my photos are at that point in any way. Um, if they can inspire some people to get out and take photos, that's that's great. Mm. Um, but at this point, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't see my my photos being a, a point of legacy. But I also might be selling myself short, and that's part of the resistance we just talked about. So, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I, you know, I don't, I, I have a, a healthy sense of, uh, you know, I, I just. I enjoy what I do. I, I enjoy the making. And uh, I just hope I never lose the memories of those times when I did take the photos or that time that we all remember when you're waiting for that subject to do the thing you hope they're going to do. So you can get the photo that you've already pre-visualized. I just don't want to forget those moments. Cause that's really, that's what really street photography is for me, that candid, like undisturbed moment where you like, for me, it's kind of bringing order from chaos. I'm like, you know, seeing something that no one, I could be standing next to somebody else and they, they don't see the scene that I see and how to kind of bring all the elements together. I, I just hope that I don't ever lose that sense and those memories that that's the legacy that I hope to keep for now. And then maybe over time, it'll be bigger, but for now that's, that's good enough for me.
1: Well, um, what what would you say would be your proudest moment on the street? When I say proudest moment, what immediately comes to mind?
2: Proudest moment. Um, when you said that, just because you said what would be the thing that popped, I had one. I had one situation where I, 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 I had an encounter with someone on the streets, and I think I handled it well. And it was uh, it was one of those situations where you're trying to take a reflection shot on the windshield of a car, mm. and I was doing that, and I didn't realize that there was a person in the car, <laughs> and they got out, <laughs> and they were like. They were like much, much taller than me. And they were looking (laughs) down going, what are you doing? And I I think I I handled myself. And I think I wrote about this years ago on Instagram in a post, but it was one of those situations that just, as you said, that that was the first thing that popped in my mind of like, you know, I think I handled that one well. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I kind of managed the stress. I managed the conflict. I think it was a productive, positive thing. And um, and whenever I look at that photo, I, I remember that time. So that's that's just what came to mind. So I'm sure there's others, but that was the first thing that popped up.
1: So. That's hilarious. Jesse Marlow has a similar story. He was photographing a leaf on someone's bonnet and he said he was there for literally 10, 15, 20 minutes trying to get the exact angle right. And then after all that time, they someone sounded the horn and they were watching him the whole time thinking what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there for 20 minutes trying to get this, this leaf." so yeah it's uh it's funny you got to always look and see for someone in the car
2: <laughs> yeah and i've you know over the years I, I mean i i really enjoy like seeing those types of things and we have uh, a lot of reflective kind of glass buildings in the city and so there's there's this no shortage of those opportunities but i'm always kind of like oh remember that one time so i'm always looking around and uh you know but at the same point i've i've I feel like I, if I could manage that situation unexpectedly, I'd be ready. Now I'm ready for that situation. So now I, I feel like I'm, I could handle it even better and and kind of go from, you know, kind of diffuse any conflict that might occur and, and also just be like, Hey, that was a really great photo. Have you seen this? And, you know, and, and kind of go from there. I think those are the learning experiences you have on the street that, you know, they like have them the first time. And then you take the, you take what you learn from that to really get better for the next time. Um, most of my interactions on the street that have been more challenging have not been with the you know are typically not with the subject of the photo it's usually with someone else who's kind of watching things you know mm. go about and you are like right, everything's fine you know it's For all sure. good i'm not here to cause any problems and <laughs> you kind of move on from there so
0: that's a problem with reflections you concentrate on the reflection you don't see past it mm. and then it's not until you look at you've got your shot or whatever and you go oh someone on the other side of the glass. <laughs> you were so concentrating on the reflection.
2: Yeah, and they're looking at you like what? Yeah, why are, are, you, why are you why are you looking right at me with the camera like pointing at
0: me. At Literally a foot from That's their funny. face and they're like <laughs> what
2: the Absolutely.
0: But Jeff. I just want to touch back. You've mentioned Instagram quite a li- quite a lot in, in our chat so far and you've talked about the relationships that you've built. Uh, and the connections you've made through it, the platform's gone down the shitter a bit of late. And Mark and I were just talking about it earlier about it. We use it more as a communication tool than actually sharing our photography now. Um, but you you created stolen echoes, which I'm guessing was probably a collective that came all about through predominantly Instagram and the connections you made. Tell us how that all came about because it, you know it involved quite some. Um, well-known people there's net lang there's Hugh rawson that we've had on here and tim hurley who's also in sydney and he was running street finder which was quite a successful and large instagram hub at the time and you were also curator on that how did all that come about
2: i kind of stimulated that group to kind of come together these are all people that i had been kind of interacting with in various ways on instagram it's actually interesting how this whole conversation will come full circle with this discussion um so i reached out to to Chris and to Tim and to Hugh and to Dan, um, and then Dan knew Kevin, and so that's kind of how we kind of connected initially as a group. Um, and really, the the reason I kind of reached out to the to the to the guys that I did at that time, this was right at the beginning of the pandemic. I kind of um, you know for work I was already kind of becoming very savvy on Zoom, and I was like, wow, this would be really great to just connect with photographers on Zoom. Like we should do this, and you know, we'll give us something to do, like. I, I kind of had a good sense kind of being in healthcare that like this pandemic thing was not going to be like one or two weeks of like, we're just going to kind of take a little break and then be back uh, to the world again. I, I had a sense it was going to be a much longer thing. And so, um, so yeah, I just kind of reached out to them. And and the reason I reached out to, to, to those that I did was at that time on, on Instagram, a lot of them were writing a lot. And there was like, Hugh had a blog that he was keeping up and, you know Tim was 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 doing a lot of writing and work through St- Street Finder and, and Chris as well. And so for me, I just kind of saw that that the the conversations, if the conversations were just focused strictly around photography, I mean they'd be great, but they could be even better as a group if we also could write about what we do and maybe have some more commentary or critique and things like that. And so that's kind of how it started. And then you know and as I said we you know we, everyone kind of agreed to kind of join in and then we had, you know, and, and uh, Kevin joined us through Dan and then it kind of moved from there. And, and then uh, as you see the kind of the group now with, with Annette as well, uh, who's like an amazing writer as well. So it's like, we, I think it's, that's just an important part of like uh, of kind of what we do is that we want to be able to express ourselves, um, not just visually, but also through words. And, um, and so I think that's kind of been the theme through the group. Um, and, uh, and it turned out that many of us are, you know, uh, very few of us are actually, none of us are, are photographers for our jobs, right? So we're all doing other things and many of us are involved in education and things like that. So it just kind of, I didn't know all that at the time, but it just kind of, kind of came about. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was great to do that. And we've kind of been together now since, uh, I think maybe March or April of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. initially we were connecting uh, pretty much weekly. Uh, and then now we're kind of down to, you know, a couple times a month or maybe monthly and, um, you know, but, uh, but it's so good to kind of connect. And and as you said, as Instagram has changed and, you know, uh, frankly, all of social media has changed, um, mm-hmm. these kind of off social media kind of interactions and collectives, I think, are more and more important. And so um, I, I think I, I would strongly encourage people if they have the opportunity to connect with people. Uh, we learn so much about each other through Zoom and, and being able to have those interactions and then. Once you do get to meet some of these people, if you do get to be in the same physical space as them, you know, uh, on the streets, it's, you already feel like you know them. And we've had that opportunity as a group recently to do that with several of the members. And so, um, yeah, I think it's it was, it's been great to have that. And um, so I'd encourage others if they have opportunity to do that. Um, and it doesn't take much. I mean, it, you know, it, like if you have access to Zoom, just reaching out to someone and saying, do you just want to jump on a zoom call? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't take, it doesn't take time. It doesn't take any, any money to do this at this point um, or, you know, if there any of the other platforms that exist. So um, I think it's great. And, and and I've pursued that in some other ways with people over the last couple of years as well, to just, just connect and have a call and, yeah. you know, and share some work with share screen. It's great. And you get to see, you know, people's work on a much bigger screen than you do on Instagram or, or any kind of mobile device. And so, um, definitely a strong proponent of of that model, and, uh, and connecting with people in your local community. You know, as I said, I am still kind of working on that in the Twin Cities. You know, um, but I think that's such an important part is, is meeting people like physically on the streets. And I think the pandemic showed us that that um, you know social media is great, uh, but it's it's it can be fleeting, and it's much better to build these rich relationships in person as well.
1: I think it's really important I think yeah it's a wonderful thing you do and it's as you say if you can form these little groups it's kind of inspiring And you know you we sort of get a bit caught up in just scrolling on Instagram all day long but yeah if if you can I guess get a bit deeper and you know discuss the reasons why we're doing this and um and you were saying before about where does all this end up you know I guess in your group you probably have discussed projects and exhibitions and things like that and and books and so yeah I think it can be really really rewarding and valuable
2: Yep. And as in, in, in these groups as well, like you, you know, I mean, certainly you can, you can keep the conversation to just being about photography or social media, but, but the the richness of a group like this is um, being able to, to, to just welcome people into your life as a friend as well. And so mm, a lot comes, you know, certainly through the pandemic, there were so many things going on around the world and, you know, and our group is, you know, in the U S and Australia and the UK and France. And so it's like so many different things are occurring so i mean our conversations were wide-reaching not just focus on photography alone so Mm. um you know so much of what we do is about the context of of the moment and what's happening in your city or your country or other things and so Mm. um yeah just a lot to learn so i totally encourage people to do that and um you know it's uh it's a lot of fun
1: oh just one quick one why stolen echoes where's that come from
2: wow that that we can have a whole nother whole podcast on that we came <laughs> to name. i mean it's uh it's yeah I, I don't even know where to start with that but I, let's just say that was um we spent a long we spent a lot of time we thought of a lot of different things and um ultimately i think on the on our on our on our actual website for the collective you can kind of see how we defined it and i think that's you know kind of kind of speaks to kind of the photography that we as a group at the time were kind of looking at and know this this idea that the moments are candid and you know they're um you know they, they just kind of happen and they're fleeting and things like that and mm. so um but yeah we we spent a lot of time and then you know once you try to do this you have to find a, a name that also like has not been taken already and mm. uh, that's super challenging yeah. so <laughs> um, i'm really glad we have a name and uh, we once we zeroed in on the name we haven't talked again about ever changing the name so uh, which I'm very happy about because that's uh that was a uh, that was a uh, several calls that um, you know we we were we were really pushing we were pushing to find the right name and so I think we've embraced it and I think it's been it's been good for for the group over the last couple of years so uh, hopefully many more to come
0: Just touching on Stolen echoes you were explaining what it was all about and it's not just about photography it's about all different types of creative mediums okay now something just came up recently that's a bit controversial on lens culture. Again, AI, and they just released a load of pictures from a photographer who'd done some AI-created images. In your group dynamic, have you discussed the, uh, the specter of AI, and what are your opinions on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think as a group we really haven't – I think we've focused pretty much just talking about photography. I think right. we all just really enjoy that and – um you know, I, I think for me personally, I haven't, I haven't tried any of the, uh, the, the AI software. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by it. Cause I mean, I, 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 was the guy like three or four years ago, like trying to make art in like PowerPoint or like on my phone in Snapseed or this last couple of years in, in Adobe Illustrator. So I, I, I think there's lots of ways to create visual art. I don't, uh, I, you know, the discussion for me around like, is this photography or not? Like I, I just kind of feel like if like I know when I go out on the streets and I'm like, you know, carrying this camera with me that that just feels like photography and everything else just feels like, feels like art of some kind. And, yeah um you know, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I've seen the poster talking about and I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I definitely saw the, saw the the dialogue there. I just tended to kind of keep scrolling because I was like, oh. I kind of, I know where this one's going and I just kind of moved on. But um. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm fascinated by what will come of this because for me, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, trying to make books and things over the last couple of years and kind of learning these various processes. And I'm just like, wow, I could really see how this is going to change like bookmaking. You know, you know, if you write something and you can then express yourself and then there's an image that goes with your writing or, you know, things, it, I mean, the potential is tremendous, but as to how it relates to street photography... Um, I just I just like capturing light in, in a camera, and um, that's kind of what I'm going to continue to do, and mm. and hope to to see the work of people who are doing something similar, um, and uh, yeah, and and even if it's uh, um you know if Instagram changes and other things change, like as I said once again, you just find people that you can interact yeah. with that, that that work, and you know I've kind of moved past the point of looking at Instagram as being the the place where um, I'm going to learn exactly where i fit i'm i'm very happy with being in the spaces between definitions at this point yeah
0: yeah so you don't think it's going to be the end of photography as we know it
2: no i mean i think i think it's going to i think it has a lot of utility um i i would say that you know the i read something uh, josh rose who uh, a photographer writes really prolifically on medium he wrote an amazing article about kind of like why photography would stay. And it really comes down to kind of just that the capturing the moments of life. And, mm. and I think as long as we continue to capture those true moments of life and the memories and the the, the sensory experience of living life, I think that that photography is always going to be around. And, uh, you know, even if you can make something that looks like a, a real moment, I think you have to live through those moments. And that's what photography is as well. Like, you know, I want to remember when my, my fingers were like numb and frozen. And I want to remember when the camera shut off. And I remember all those things that we talked about earlier. Mm. That's photography as much as the final product to me. And uh, and knowing that it's a, a stress relief and it's a variety of other things. Like, you know, but uh, will I do AI, make AI images? I, I could see myself finding a utility for it, but not blending, probably not like one or the other, finding mm. some other use and some other creative workflow that's, not photography, but anyway, probably a lot, much longer discussion there, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just enjoy the moments and enjoy, um, you know, just, you know, as I said just taking the camera out and, you know, and, and especially as someone who had that, 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 that incident a few years ago where you have things taken away, you realize how much you miss it. And, uh, you know, I've been really intentional about enjoying those moments of photography since then.
1: I think that's great advice, and Jeff, we are coming up to our allotted time, but I wanted to sneak some uh, a couple of quick questions in. Um, John mentioned in the introduction there that you've um, worked with Apple or had some of your images um, appear on the Apple platforms. So how did all that come back? Because it's a huge achievement. That's uh, I just want to to ask you about that.
2: Yeah, I wish there was like some really complicated way. I mean, with uh, with with uh, Instagram, you just hashtag your stuff shot on iPhone, and then you know, I guess if the right person at Apple sees it, they reach out and there's a whole process for them to kind of, you know, like you have to kind of agree to whatever their terms are to be able to share it. And so that had an image that they, that's, I think it's linked on my Instagram somewhere that they, that they decided to to share. And um, that was an interesting experience because it was seen by a lot of people. And so it, it had a, a, a very uh, large, uh, there's a lot of reach. So uh, that was a very busy week when that was posted, um, because all of a sudden it was seen by like a quarter million likes or something. So there was a lot of people that saw it. And so, um, but which was fun for me, the interesting part was, it was, uh, a photo that, uh, that I created that, uh, that I took, that was, um, uh, of one of my, one of my daughters when she was younger. So, so it has a personal connection and then it also is this interesting thing. And, and I'm, a, a an Apple person all the way through, um, all of all of the devices in my life are Apple devices. And so I um so that was just a, a really great thing to have happen, just to be able to say that something that I've created is on like Apple's, you know, gallery at some point in time. But but nothing bigger than that. There's been like no commissions or things like that. So mm. Although if if they're listening, obviously I'm sure they listen to the podcast. I touch. would love that would that would be amazing. Yes, yes, please, please reach out. Amazing. I will. Come on, Tim, in I'll, con- contact. I'll take any photos you want with my iPhone SE that I've been carrying around those last couple of years because I'm really technologically, you know, I'm trying to go old school as much as possible with the phone. So that's been been fun as everyone else is getting all these new cameras and all the different lenses on the iPhone. I'm. I'm going, I'm going back in time. So, um, which has been fun because the, the camera still is great. And then you just get more, uh, you can just focus on taking the photos and not having to play around with all the dials and all the mm. different options that you have. So.
1: Well, John, I think it's uh, your turn to uh, ask the final question that we asked, all well, well, I guess this week, <laughs> uh,
0: Jeff, as you probably know, cause you said you listened to the podcast. So you'll be ready for this, Jeff, if you have a bit of a tester, if you could go anywhere in the world, Jeff, to photograph, where would you go and why?
2: You know, I've been I've been thinking about this all week long, <laughs> and all week I came up with no answer. But you know, because you know, and frankly, for me, like I, I just wanted just didn't want to like think about something that was so aspirational that might not happen. Um, but for me, I, I think I would, I think I would explore a place that um, I, I would want to find the most minimal scenes possible. Uh, even more minimal than like maybe even a city can provide um, or if there's that city. So, um, you know, I, and I would just love to be there, you know, for a long period of time and just, you know, kind of exploring that minimal scene, like light shadow day, night, the whole thing, that would be, that would be what I'd want right now. Um, you know, and uh, you know, tomorrow will probably be a different answer, but that's what I've come up with for today. Um, yesterday it was going to be London. Tomorrow is going to be Australia, probably Sydney. But uh, for today, it's just the most minimal place possible. So.
0: <laughs> well, Sydney's that... <laughs> a good spot to come to, Jeff, because Melbourne's a bit like Minnesota. You just never know what weather you're going to get. You know what I mean? Could be straight, Could be not. Could be cold <laughs> and wet and windy. Sydney's yes, pretty
1: good. That's what makes it interesting. But the US is interesting <laughs> for, for us too in Australia because obviously we have Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, there's not many major cities. Adelaide. Adelaide, yes, of course, Adelaide. Um, but they're all not within driving distance, really. Um, no. in, do you drive to other US cities and f- to photograph? Um, I'm not sure, you
2: know, there's
1: Chicago and obviously New York, which is probably not drivable either. But, um, yeah, d- do you sort of get around the country a little bit?
2: Um, not as much as I'd like. I was actually in Chicago a couple weeks ago, so I did drive there. It's about a seven hour drive to Chicago from where I live. So, um, so I did do that. I think that's probably the closest big city that I can drive to. I think probably the next closest would maybe be probably like a, like at least a full day drive, um, maybe, you know, 12 to 15 hours or something like that. So no, I've been driven further than that. Um, for me, it's always just over the years, if I have a, a work-related meaning i'm always uh, tacking on one additional day you know to stay and take photos so whether it's in chicago or los angeles or um you know we've been in new york city boston a variety of other places so um, i'm going to continue that habit as long as possible and uh and hopefully someday i'll get to travel to many of these other places that all of your other guests have said that sound amazing that i just <laughs> didn't want to you know just repeat what's already been said but, uh, but the most minimal place ever i'm looking for I want I want uh you know all one color I want a monochrome city with uh with no with no greenery at all I just want concrete everywhere tell me where that is well, I just want to see that in
1: Channel. i've just booked a trip to hong kong so uh i'll meet you there if you want to <laughs> so i'm going next month so uh i was meant to go on a work trip that got cancelled so i'm going to hong kong for a week just on my own to take photos which is uh, looking forward to so uh yeah let's okay. all go mate. Cool. <laughs> a sounds concert. good yeah. jeff thank you so much for your time we really appreciate you having a chat to us on the podcast um it's been an amazing conversation um yeah so thank you so much for joining us thank you guys it
2: great i
0: really enjoyed it Thanks, Jeff.